Hello everyone and welcome back to M Square podcast. We are back here with the second episode with Ms. Riya Karuturi for who will fresh the first episode and the first pitch of Shark Tank India season 2. So in this episode we are going to delve more about into the future of what holds for who will fresh and how uh, Riya and Yashoda are going to are planning to revolutionize the entire landscape or the fresh of the fly, fresh flower industry in India. So let's dive right into this episode of M Square podcast with Ms. Riya Karuturi who I think that is so you know wonderful that you mentioned because I I'm not sure like because this is both this is uh, you know lens cut so uh, <laughs> so and I think the the kind of uh, I I've seen uh, like I I'm a huge binge watcher of Shark Tank so you know I watched season one I've recapped season one also before season two started I watched all those unseen pitches also I've watched. So and I think uh, and I was talking to uh, Kamlesh Jhuwaru Kamlesh who you know he Piyush supported in the first season so he gave me so much insight into how Piyush sir works you know like the kind of uh, you know he's very sincere he you know he goes into the you know extreme details he wants every you know he goes into these details he is very particular about how things start and like what he wants our things out of and I think when you were mentioning about it I could relate to it you know that uh, you know and I think he he mentioned that he has a checklist you know and if you checklist all the check of an entrepreneur and he's usually like you know you check you know you check all the boxes that I have for an entrepreneur and I and I do have that acumen to actually you know do this speaks volume and the kind of brand he has built in India on on you know frames and properly regularize the entire market and i think yeah. when you were mentioning you know truly uh, the, like the kind of person he is is something and i think both aman and piyush are building for the bharat right and in some way or the other they, you know they want to uh, their brands are also purpose driven and when uh, and i think when you were mentioning aman i could actually imagine him doing those dance and you know when anupam was speaking i think that was very funny and but but you know like when you mentioned that uh, so how important uh, you know was it how diff- sorry how difficult was it for you to actually deny uh, you know vinita and namita and uh, choose aman and piyush over him how okay. difficult was it for you you know being on stage and you have to say no on their face it would have been really difficult i guess <laughs> um you know it didn't feel i don't think it felt like a rejection or anything yeah, like that yeah and that is it didn't feel hard in that sense where you know we felt like they would feel bad and all of that stuff i think that's the nature of the show you know yes, as they yes, yeah. that they're competing and things like that um yeah i don't think there's any like negative feeling or anything like that i think um we knew we had to make we knew going yes, in that yes. um you know the best outcome is that we would have choices and we would have to make it so you can't yeah. compete once you get the best yeah yes yes yeah um, so we were grateful for that offer and um you know hopefully we were able to communicate that to them but i think that there's such seasoned entrepreneurs i don't think yeah. they would take it personally at all no no, no no that is i think that is totally and you know like uh, they won't take it personally but i don't know like for the first time i i if i think it from my perspective if i'm there i would find it so difficult to say no to you know people of that stature who have built such big companies you know and running it successfully also at the same time and i think as a person like to go out there and to say and you know ki you know it will it will be very difficult and i truly understand that it must have been a very difficult decision for you also you know to make that decision up there in such a short period of time it's not like you can come back and decide and then go back it's on the spot 
So, and I think that also it becomes very, uh, you know, a part of your journey also on how you proceed. So now, Ria, I would want to, you know, ask you a rapid fire sort of a questions so on for each of the sharks. So that what is that one quality you feel, you know, that separates them for all of them? Because we all have something that is you no know, separate from different from the others and which you would like to imbibe in yourself, right? Going forward on your entrepreneurial journey. So if I have to ask you about Aman, Aman Gupta from board, what would be that one thing that you would like to, you know, imbibe in you or, you know, take inspiration from? If not imbibing, what would be that one quality from him? I think his gut feel and like emotional connect. Like he's able okay. to make great decisions really fast. Um, yeah. Despite trusting his gut. That would be great. Okay. And Namita? Uh, Namita, I think she's very sure of what her expertise is. I know it's a joke that people say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She's secure, you know, like she knows yes. what she's good at. She's open to asking questions on things that she like feels she could be better at. And she's just super secure. Like, you know, she doesn't take any bullshit, but she also <laughs> doesn't take any bullshit to, you know, yeah. make up anything like that. I just love that about her. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, Anupam? Anupam, I think was just... I Okay, I honestly have always been fascinated by Shadi.com and stuff. Yeah. has this mind for like how marketing works, especially for like, like the older Indian generation. And it's kind of like a secret superpower that he has. <laughs> oh, like he's my favorite shark. You know, like if I feel, you know, if I ever become that big, it would be much more like, you know, my lifestyle and the way of conducting myself would be very much like Anupam. I really relate to him on a very, you know, good level. I like the way he speaks, the kind of questions he asks. And the, and it just seems like he has knowledge of, about every single thing that is out there. You know, you would never feel like he does not know about a particular industry or something like that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and then yeah, Vinita. Vinita, I think, like, has been an inspiration. So me and Yashita have actually interacted with her before. And okay. I think it's amazing how she balances, you know, this hard, deep work that she does. Like she knows every inch of what she does. And yeah. you know, this public aspect of the brand. Like, I don't know how she does it, but like she's just exceptional. Like, whether it's the runs that she goes on her or her memory or like just her grasp of like a really complicated market. Like um, you can, you just meet her and you know, she's like super, super sharp, which I think is exceptional. Okay. Uh, and then Piyush, finally. I think just how detail oriented and like, yeah. like I'm also a lens card user. Like it's my contact. So you can't see okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think, you know, I am just so attached to our angels now. Our <laughs> I was in Singapore recently and I was like, oh my God, it's Lenskart. Like, it's my. <laughs> I was so excited. Oh my God, Lenskart is here. <laughs> I really just, I love everything about the way he does it. Yeah. And I think that depicts volumes about the kind of, you know, passion he has put into his business and the kind of, you know, I was listening to his interview uh, recently that how before uh, while shooting for Shark Tank, they had to give hours and hours and, you know, every day morning, he will have a meeting with his team for half an hour at 8.30 in the morning before he came for the shoot. And I think for, you know, for a, like we all complain about not having time and for a person of his stature running a billion dollar company to actually take out half an hour in the morning before shooting, you know, yeah. speaks volume about the how much he's invested in it and how much he loves what he's doing and I think that is why the all the relation right I recently realized you know previously I was like you know now I go to the shop and I'm like okay you know I if I have to buy goggles I'll go to Lenskart and buy John Jacobs I'll be like okay like you know that's better like it feels like you know connection to that brand is there and I asked once I went to this Lenskart shop and I asked them you know like has the sales increased he's like 
I cannot explain it to you how much we have, you know, more sales is coming in since Piyush Bansal has come on Shark Tank. And I was like, yeah. actually, people are talking about, you no, know, people have just bought in, you know, their 499 or 999 glasses just because they wanted to buy something out of Lenskart because the work yeah. that he has done into. And I think that, you know, as you mentioned also, the, you know, the kind of detail oriented he is and how much passionate he is about his work speaks volume about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ria, like, uh, you know, that's such a wonderful conversation we've been having and I really like it. So I want to understand from you as an entrepreneur that what are the things that you always keep in mind? Because your brand is something where you have to work on the entire category in itself, right? So when you go for marketing your product, what is that one, uh, you know, two, what is it like, what is the steps that you follow to ensure that, you know, that your brand uh, proposition remains intact and your brand value does not get diluted, right? You do not lose out what you stood for. So how do you ensure that? Because once you start growing, it becomes more and more, it becomes, it starts getting increasingly difficult to hold that same proposition. So how do you ensure that it remains intact as and when, when you started it? Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's such a problem at the scale that we're at right now. Um, of course, we reach a large number of people like through all of our channels and yeah. things like that. But the team that's creating that content, the team that's distributing that message right now is still fairly tight, right? Like, okay. I, I don't think there's, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any percentage of content. I would say maybe like two to three percent of our content maybe is something that me and Yashoda don't see, you know, okay. like. I mean, whether it's me as CMO or just because Yashoda like, you know, checks out our pages or whatever, yeah. it's it's very unlikely that something will reach a customer without having gone through sure, me yeah. or, yeah. or, you know, uh, like that before. So that way it hasn't been much of a challenge as of now. Um, yeah. I know that will become a challenge as we grow larger, as we go to different cities, do more languages, um, things like that. Because then you can't read everything. You, yes. you don't even know yeah. the language lines yeah. of that stuff. Um, but I think we have a very strong, um, we have a brand manual, which is very strong, kind of like our Bible. Um, I mean, you'll actually see it behind me. Like I actually have it on my wall, um, because it's so important for us to stick to that. Uh, I think especially with religion, it's such a, um, sensitive Sensitive step. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to be very conscious of how you're communicating. And as a brand too, we know what we stand for. And it's that, you know, Puja is a beautiful gratitude building. There's no space for negativity. There's no space for hatred or exclusion or anything like that in what we do. Um, So I think in that sense, like that kind of creates a culture in everyone who's creating content for us or distributing things like that. Um, You know, even when we go out and do events and things like that, we only hire people. We only work with people who kind of have that same ethos of understanding experiences and also understanding what we're not about, right? Like we're not about saying that this is better than any other religion okay. when okay. excluding people like um you know that that's never been what the brand has been about and we're pretty clear on that when we hire people as well um yeah, yeah so i don't think it's been much of an issue so far uh, as you get bigger of course you get big, like bigger problems yeah. um but that's the challenge and uh, that's what yeah yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's really impressive, you know, like how when whenever there is something and like when you when you talk about something growing, you you actually break it down into things, right? It's just like you know, there is a framework, and you know, like any so- problem that comes in, which you know might not have a solution right away, but the way you've been breaking down the problems is just so impressive, and you know, just that's so inspiring, and also something which I would take away from you 
is that, you know, like the way you break down things into smaller, simpler parts and then try to find a solution for each of those individual parts and then stitch it back together. And that is something which you know comes across as uh, something which a lot of people should do, but we all fail at doing. And I think that is something which I take away from you. If I have, somebody has to ask me, you know, like, what is that one thing that you take away from this particular conversation that we are having? Is this, you know, to take a problem, break it down into simpler parts, find a solution for each of it and then stitch it back together. Because then it's something which will be unique and something which has not been done before, as is the case with Huvu. So, uh, you know, like... Uh, Sorry, I didn't even realize that that's something that I do. But it's so okay. funny to say that because um, I used to be a computer science like teaching assistant. So I used to teach okay. a bunch of people at Stanford and stuff. And that's exactly what we would do. We would say like, you know, any big programming problem, you take mm -hmm. it down into small pieces. You like solve each one in a different yeah, yeah. bring them all together. Yeah. So that, that's funny that you said that actually. Yeah, and I think that you can actually, you know, like that is something which I whenever, whenever I've asked something which, you know, uh, that was coming in my mind while I was talking to, you know, how would you address this problem? That has That is what I realize you have been, you know, trying to approach a particular scenario in that. And I think that's really wonderful to actually, you know, like you have related what is there in the tech, what you were trying to do in tech into actually using it in real life. And I think that is what you actually say, right? To learn something and to implement it are two different uh, what you can say, strengths or skills altogether. And I think that's a wonderful combination which you are using you know, to actually learn something from a different stream and use it somewhere. Where And I think that is the whole case with the, uh, you know, your brand, Hugo, because you combined, uh, you try to do something that has never been done before. And that actually has, you know, I think that that also shows that you've done a lot of groundwork into it. Because you can only simplify things when you've done a lot of work in the background, when you've actually been on the field, you know, got your hands dirty. And that is, I think that speaks volumes about the kind of brand that you're wanting to build and the amount of work that you have been, you know, putting it uh, into building that particular brand. So, uh, Ria, I also wanted to ask how dif uh, how different things are, you know, like when you and Yashoda started to having so, you know, such great mentors with you, now angel investors and now sharks with you. How have things changed? I I'm definitely sure it would have changed for amazingly good or great, you know, great perspective. But what are the changes that you feel on a, on a daily to daily basis? And because previously you might have been making 10 mistakes. Now there are people who can guide you. So the number of mistakes and the amount, you know, the what previously would have been achieved in a week, now it gets done in a day. So how is it for you? Um, I don't think the number of mistakes you make ever reduces. <laughs> but I think the quality of mistakes that you make increases. You know, like, I think, um, you know, when you're in one city, you make a certain, I mean, maybe you make yeah. like 10 mistakes, you make 20 mistakes in a day. When you're in three cities also, you'll be making 20 mistakes, 10 mistakes, whatever that number is. But the scale and the quality of the... Like, we won't make the same mistakes again. Agreed, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, if last year we had, um, I don't know, like delivery difficulties or last year we had like shortages in supply, this year we cannot be making the same mistakes. That yes, means yeah. we learned from last year's thing. Yeah. But this year maybe we make new mistakes, which is that, yeah. you know, we're trying grocery stores for the first time. I'm sure 100 things can go wrong there. You know, we're trying yeah. agarbattis and dupes and things yeah. like that. It's a whole new ball game, right? So we never say like avoid mistakes or be without mistakes, even with our entire team. Uh, obviously, we have operational excellence and all of those metrics. But we say if you're going to do experiments, you're going to make mistakes. That's fine. Just make better mistakes each time. You know, like oh, learn wow. something. Yeah. So I think that's pretty important. Uh, in terms of the partners that we have, I think they've been exceptional in the sense that they don't. Um, 
they don't interact with us every day. They don't like put their mm-hmm. fingers in we're doing. Like they're all, you know, whether it's a VC or whether it's an angel, they have their own businesses to run or their own yeah, funds. Yeah. Like they can't run your, you're not yes. bringing them to run your business. Like yes, yes, yes. Yeah, company. yeah. Um, but I think where they help is that they push you to think to the next step, right? Yeah. Like kind of an organization, what happens a lot of the time is that as founders, you are driving the conversation, you are driving the agenda and um, you are pushing people, right? Like you're yeah. saying, what's next? Like how much further can you go? I'm setting these goals. Can you reach them? Do you have the right resources, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, your team pushes you back in the sense that when they work hard, it kind of puts pressure on you to like work even harder and you know amplify what yeah, they've done. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but nobody really like questions you much. You know, nobody is like, why aren't you thinking of this? Or like, why aren't you doing that? It, it's a very different tone, you know, with your team to the founder. Um, I think what happens with VCs and angels coming in is that it pushes you as founders to really ask yourself deep questions, right? Like that's yeah. the, that's really their function. Um, you tell them, these are my sales numbers, these are my channels. They'll say, okay, good, nice. What's next? Okay. Like, you know, that question becomes really important. Yeah. Um, we like, I love this quote and it says that, you know, plans are useless, but planning is um, like priceless. You know, I think it's like oh, wow. worthless, but planning is priceless. And the idea is that any plan that you make is not going to be accurate, right? Like at the end of the day, like yeah. there's too many uncertainties in the world for them to pan out. But the act of planning, the act of putting that together and thinking through what could possibly go wrong, what could possibly go right, what are the different variables that you assign to each, that is like really, really important. And once you bring in external funding, um, that just becomes like a much more core function of what founders have to do. So I think okay. that's an benefit. Um, in yeah. terms of acceleration, um, I mean, that that has to happen anyway, right? Like whether you have external yeah. funding or you're growing with internal funding, you have to be faster in what you're doing. Yeah. Which, you know, you said this earlier in a thing where you said, now if someone comes into the market, they can just copy the content that you guys yeah. did. Yes. So that's true across the board. Like even with Shark Tank, we know that now there's going to be a bunch of copycats coming into the market yeah. and people being like, oh, so easy. Puja flowers. You know? Um, but you just have to keep going. If we kind of said, oh, we have the farmer network, so we'll relax. We wouldn't have figured out the packaging. Yeah. If we go we have the packaging, 15 day shelf life, we'll relax. We wouldn't have the machine. Yes. If we relax on that, we wouldn't have the distribution. Then we wouldn't have the, you know, like each time you have to be paranoid and yeah. you have to say, what can I keep doing to build my company in such a way that tomorrow it's not one moat. You know, it's multiple things kind of protecting this company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, pretty much that. Stop yeah, like I that is so wonderful when you said that being paranoid, right? Because I think in the recent episodes, Amman was also mentioning that if as an entrepreneur or as a founder, you're not paranoid, you're not going to make reach that level of success that you actually should. And I think yeah. when you mentioned that point and like, uh, yeah, I was, my, I was about to ask you about, you know, the barrier to entry that in this particular uh you know, uh, industry that people might have. And a lot of people would realize, okay, ye hum bhi kar sakte this also we could have done. We can start it now. But 
what will they and i think that's very important for people to also understand that you were mentioning right they have to be paranoid they have to keep on moving forward and faster so that even then if somebody starts running they should not be able to catch up because if you relax if you relax out right that this is the rabbit tortoise story that is out there you know the tortoise can catch up but as you have to keep moving and you have to keep moving in the right direction and you know talking to you really you know furthers uh, you know strengthens that belief that no matter where you have reached no matter where you have come up to you know uh, to what level of success you always need to keep moving forwards in order that you don't lose out because with if you stay uh, you know stagnant at a particular point in time you will lose out on whatever you have built so far and it's yeah. really wonderful you know to you know get uh, to hear it from you and it actually makes a lot of more much more sense because you know it's all it's all what you can say knowledge when it says in the book but when you actually hear it from someone who's actually implementing it out there in the real world it's all starts making sense when you look back onto things yeah so when you hear, uh, hear it yeah sorry yeah, go please. ahead no no you were saying something please go ahead yeah i was just going to say you know like a lot of people look at our business idea and they're like Oh, this is so simple. Like I can yeah. do it. Um, and I think a lot of beautiful things seem very simple. Um, yeah. You know, like simple doesn't mean easy. You know, easy. like sometimes people yes. the hardest thing actually to build out. Yes. Um, and you know, we always tell people like, if you want to enter the same industry as us, that that's a compliment to us, right? Like that. Yeah, means agreed. Enough value that people want to capture some of that value. Capture something before, value. You no, know, nobody saw that value in this yeah. industry. Um, but it's not easy, right? Like it might be simple, but it's not easy. And I think um, I remember, you know, recently I was telling my team, and I was like, you know, when times are good, you have to like run even faster to like faster. make it in. You know, if the winds are in your favor, you want to run faster because then you'll yeah. go even further ahead. Further, yeah. And they're like, weren't you saying that during COVID, when times are bad, you have to run <laughs> even faster because then you'll catch up with you know. <laughs> and I was like. I guess you always have to run fast. <laughs> yeah. The times are good or bad or whatever they are, you have to show up and put your time into the company, yeah. put your into the company. Um, and I think that's the only consistent way that you kind of see it grow, right? Like, um, like you said about Piyush as well. Like, yes. the fact that while Shark Tank is happening, he's not at all. It's not an option to him to miss yeah. his mom's meetings. That says so much about an entrepreneur, and it says yes. so. Much about that discipline, right? Of saying times are good, times are bad, times are whatever they are. Work is work. You know, your work, work is, is work. your yeah. um, The same way people come and do their puja every day, regardless yeah. of the sun or flowers or no flowers or whatever it is. If yeah. work is your worship, then you have to show up every day and you have to do it and you have to give it your best yeah. each day. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true and so wonderful. So, uh, Ria, as an entrepreneur, what are the you know, three or four metrics, which every other entrepreneur should, you know, be on, uh, what do you say, on top of it and like always care about, say, say just for giving an example, it can be the revenue or, you know, the sales metrics that are out there. What are the key metrics that you, you know, ensure are always up to date or, you know, that make you, uh, that, that those are something that you always take care of. Uh, what are the metrics that you always take care of? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these will change for every industry and every entrepreneur. Yeah every model is the same um for us what really matters is those unit economics we're really conscious of the unit economics. uh the wastage percentage that we see um a lot of our competitive advantage comes from keeping that wastage Um, uh and then i think the number of orders that we do per day like that's kind of the 
our metric that everyone in the company looks like. As soon as you log into our dashboard, it's the first number you see, you know? Okay. So you, you know it matters to everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those were the those are the okay. three that Yashoda and I focus on quite a bit. Yeah. And then okay. So you know, as you mentioned about uh, the shelf life. So just wanted to ask you, how do you ensure like you know, like this was something which a lot of people because flowers or you know anything in that uh, flowers or be it uh, any uh, whatever it is used for puja, these are usually things that get spoiled very fast. And if flowers mm-hmm. get spoiled, you know, if you just leave them out for two days or a day, also at times if it's very hot in a day, the flower will die by the end of the day. If you have, you know, plugged the fresh flowers in the morning, so how do you ensure that you know it stays for fifteen days? I mean, like when I heard it for the first time, I thought I heard it wrong because mm-hmm. I was like fifteen days a flower can stay. I was like, let me replay it, right? And I replay, I was like, I was super. I was literally astonished on how it could have actually been done. And I just wanted to understand from you how did you achieve this because this is. You know, beyond any imagination, uh, and that too without refrigeration, because a whole supply chain of yours would have depend. If, if I would have understood if it was refrigerated or you know cooled down or something, but to do it without that was something very impressive. And impressive is a small word. I'm running out of words to actually say how I felt when I actually heard it for the first time. Thank you so much. Um, honestly, when we started out, it wasn't that we were like 15 days. You know, like yeah. we're gonna that 15 days number, uh, it was very iterative. So it was like, uh, you know, we'd figured out the farmer supply chain and getting the flowers fresh from harvest. And that yeah. itself really increased the shelf life of the flowers and the quality of the flowers that we were working with. Um, and then it was like small questions, right? Like, how do we make it last a little bit longer? How do we insulate it? Like, um, you know, how do we maintain that moisture level? How do we uh, get rid of any infections that are coming in, pests mm-hmm. that are coming in. So it's like small, small questions and things like that. And, you know, even the 15-day shelf life thing, I used to run a lot of experiments. So I used to run experiments for seven days and then I used to stop. You know, then okay. I used to open up the packets and they're like not transparent packets at that time. I was using something different. Yeah. Um, so I would open it up and I'd be like, oh, it's still fresh, you know, great. What happened is that I had one batch that I forgot about. Like it was at the back oh. of the sh- you know, like okay. I would have a test with all the labeled packets mm-hmm. and the pool and blah blah blah. There just happened to be one at the back, and I remember it was the Rajni Ganda flower, which is a very sensitive flower. Sensitive especially. flower, yeah. Yeah. So, um, tuberose basically. So, and I forgot that packet, and then I brought it out, and I was like, um, "How are these still <laughs> fresh? These?" And you know, they all have the date label and what yeah. we've done. That's it. That's like it's been fifteen days. And I didn't even tell Yashoda because I was like, this is a fluke. You know, okay. I was like, this is a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I remember the second one I did was Sevanti and I did the same thing for that. And it still lasted. I, that actually lasted a little bit longer than 15 yeah. days also. And then, you know, I showed Yashoda the pictures and I was like, listen, this is the control and this is, you know, the one that we did it with our processing. Look at the difference. And she was like, are you sure? Like this doesn't <laughs> And I remember, uh, I think it was like in October or something that we had come up yeah. with it. In, uh, and recently, you know, I was going through our October review meeting slide. I was just looking for some old documents and I came yeah. across that. And, you know, it's like on the 18th slide or something. Because even we were so unsure to tell the team that, you know, yeah. this worked for 15 days. So we literally put on the 18th slide because we were like, hey, this could be a game <laughs> I'm not really sure. And it takes yeah. 15 days to find out. You know, yeah. that was like when I had to rerun the trials, it was like yeah. 15 days of us waiting and yeah. being like, is this something that we can replicate again? Yeah. Right? 
Um, and of course, with every flower variety, it's different. So after 15 days, we'd be like, oh, these worked, but these didn't. Then you try again and you try again. And it's really a game of patience yeah. right? and game of curiosity. I would say like just being really curious about the flowers and playing around with them and um, really paying attention to like the individual characteristics of each of the flowers that we work with yeah. and hundred things that can go wrong with them. Um, so yeah, like that's how the 15 day shelf life happened. I think everyone on TV also saw me speaking about yeah. the and the bacteria and like shelf life and ripening and wilting and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. um, like the technical stuff is the technical stuff, but how we got there, I think, was just you know discovery and like destiny. Uh, and like yeah, I don't know destiny, but um, I think like if you poke at something for long enough, yeah, 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 something will crack, right? Something like you need will crack. for it to crack. But I really believe a lot of science is like just poking at something relentless until no. something happens. Yeah, I think that that's so true. And I think the amount of, you know, detailed uh, th that you gave, I think that was Piyush, right? You said, you know, you, the amount of knowledge that you have in this particular field. They cut out is... most of it. They cut out okay. most of my flower talk. <laughs> I mean, it's my favorite topic. So I was like talking, talking, talking about yeah. it. And eventually, at some point, I like went into pure English because, you know, <laughs> the flow. And then Piyush was like, okay, stop. Like, we got it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like also now when you're talking about the way you lit up, right? When you were talking about flowers and like when you, when in 15 days over, it like speaks so much that you're so, you know, passionately attached to it. And also my mom coming from Kerala, right? So I've seen her side of the house also. My, my uncle lives very right next to our house and his whole house, if you'll see, you know, is covered by trees and flowers. There are like 50 to 100 variety of, you know, he grows, he gardens it out himself. So I know like the people who love flowers, you know, they're very much attached to it. It, you know, they just want someone to talk about it, and like they'll tell you, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. My mom gets up very early in the morning. She wakes up someone who's waking up at 5:30 in the morning. She'll garden, you know, water the garden. That's her daily routine. Like she really loves, you know, bringing in new flowers every other week. She'll be in the nursery, going, you know, buying out flowers. And I, that's why I think, you know, when your pitch came in, she was so interested into it. You know, okay, what is this about? She's like, oh, they give, uh, you know, she asked me this. So do they give it in plants also in terms of, you know, pots and pots, like how we get it in nursery? Can we get it? And like, how will it be? So then that, that was the kind of curiosity that she had, you know, around the brand that is there. And I think that is, uh, I think, a wonderful thing because you were doing something that hasn't been done before. And uh, to do it at such a great manner is, and you know, with such simplicity, as you mentioned, you know, being simple is one of the toughest things out in the world. And uh, th that's really impressive. And that that's really speaks, uh, again, I would say, you know, volumes about how much work you would have put into. So, you know, it's been an amazing conversation so far. And like, you know, the way you, you started your entrepreneurial journey and how it has been going for you, the challenges that you face and how, you know, you have literally uh, streamed, uh, not, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, transitioned it in a simple manner, in an easier manner. But yeah, the way you approach those problems being truly commendable. So if, if it is there that something you would like to you know give as a parting thought to the people who are listening to us, what would that be as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show and for helping thank us you. share our story. Um, I think for anyone listening, um, I would just say that we feel so blessed every day to be sharing the story of Kubu with all of you. Yeah. And um, for us, the most important thing is like seeing this product succeed. We don't, we don't want this category to go back, farmers going back to the Monday and being ripped off yeah. and 
the flower ladies going back to their old models and having 40% wasted. Like we really want to see this ecosystem yeah. thrive and this product thrive. And a big part of that is sharing our story, right? So yeah. every opportunity that we have to do that, we're extremely grateful for. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, telling our story and also for listening to our story. Yeah. Um, and I think for any entrepreneur, like, we're too young and too early in our journey for us to give like meaningful advice. Yeah. But that has really helped us and something that um, we remind ourselves of all the time is that, um, you know, the first step is half the journey. And once you're on that journey, you have to trust yourself that whatever comes in your way, you will figure it out. Right? Like yeah. you said, like, what made you become an entrepreneur? What made you make that choice and stuff? It was nothing. It was nothing that set in stone. Right? It was just yeah. saying, okay, trust myself to take on this challenge um, and then I'll figure it out as I go along. Um, so that's been something that's really helpful to us. Hopefully it's yeah. helpful to as well um but yeah thank you so much for having thank me. you thank you Ria. just one thing i want to ask right when you were mentioning about that uh, ecosystem to not go back i wanted to ask if there is any story with any farmer that you might have had you know like who would have been so thankful to you for you know the wastage being reduced i think two for two from 40 to two to three percent right if i remember it correctly so if if there is any story of any farmer or you know any uh lady from the mandi who was selling flowers and how if they would have shared it with you how much your product has helped them you know uh, save a lot uh, in their life yeah i mean I, we work with a lot of farmers but um there's this one farmer that we work with he's been supplying to the chikpala pool market for like years probably longer than i've been alive right so he's very experienced in the market um i remember he was telling us and he's like he's huge like he has a huge amount of farms he does a lot mm -hmm. of trade Day and things like that. He has like credit lines of like 10 lakhs, oh, 20 lakhs. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a huge farmer. Um, but I remember this one time he was telling us, and um, you know, during festival and in the ma market, the way it works is the farmers bring their flowers and they have these small books where they write down, and the trader also writes down in their small books, and then they reconcile like accounts yeah. 15 days, 20 days, whatever okay. that uh, they remove the commission, like at the beginning. That's usually how it works with us. Okay. Of course, they come, we input it into the app, and then they get the payment through their bank accounts and stuff. Okay, okay. Um, and I remember this farmer was telling us he was like, you know, there was this one Varma Lakshmi uh, festival period um, where I brought the flowers to the market and stuff. And I think it was like I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was around sixty to eighty kgs of flowers. There was just some accounting mismatch. You know, he okay. had written it down, but the trader had not written it down or something. And he was like, at that point of time, early on in his journey, um, that amount of flowers to just not have it accounted and not have it mm -hmm. paid for, especially during Varma Lakshmi time, which is a peak yeah. period, he just lost out on that entire sale. Right? And he didn't oh. have any way of like, you know, fighting because if you yeah. fight with a trader, where are you going to sell your flowers the next yeah, day? Yeah, true. Right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I just remember feeling, uh, just feeling his helplessness even after all these years, even after he's clearly overcome, you know, all of that. Um, with saying that, you know, they're really victims of the market. They they just have to take the price that the market yeah. offers. The if the trader says these flowers were wasted, you only find out two days later, right? Your flowers yeah. were wasted. Yeah. So it's not like you can say, give it back to me. I'll sell it to someone else. Buy them yeah. the flowers. Are yeah. So just. They're just, no matter how powerful they are or how enterprising or how hardworking or whatever they are, they become victims of the market, which really yeah. just did not sit right with us. 
Um, and yeah, and we're really lucky to work with a lot of farmers and give them that stable income, give them that clarity right off the bat and um, hopefully improve the ecosystem for the better, right? Create yeah. more transparency, um, better price setting mechanism, all of that. Yeah. And that is, you know, like that is one, uh, what, you'll, what I'll say is one of the uh, what, uh, the best parts uh, of, you know, uh, startups like who is that they're not only, you know, focused on building a business, but they're also focused on building an ecosystem and actually empowering the people who have never been empowered before. Right. Because now the, the farmers who are into, you know, the flower business or, or the people who are working in the, you know, the what you can say, the fool mandis that are there. I mean, like they actually have a, what you can say, a constant source of income, which then, which they can look forward to. And I think that is where you actually bring out that impact. Right. Because we can always build businesses, but to impact lives of people for whom, you know, a sum of like two or three thousand a month can actually be a you know game changer because they survive on five to six thousand a month, which for a big business might not be much. But to actually bring down an impact at a ground level is what I think differentiates a lot of businesses that are out there, you know, and that actually differentiates who from a lot of businesses that are out there and I think I, I truly feel honored to you know uh, have this conversation with you right now and that is I, I would like to say thank you for you know uh, building this business up from scratch and helping so many people out there who were really helpless uh, you know without uh, Huwu being in place so really just one final question and like where do you see Huwu how do you see Huwu growing and like what are what you know what is your vision with Huwu in the years to come mm-hmm. Um, so currently we're in three cities, Bangalore, yeah. Hyderabad, Mumbai. Um, I think in the next three years, we see ourselves um, expanding to different cities, whether that like Pune, Chennai, Delhi are yeah. in the pipeline, uh, but then even beyond that, right? Um, apart from geographic expansion, I think the broader vision is that when we say a fresh take on traditions, flowers will always be at the heart of what we do, yeah. but the broader puja basket whether it's your agarbatis, your dup, your camper, your cotton wicks, your kumkum, turmeric, everything. Yeah. We can give you a better puja experience by giving you all of these products and making sure that they're all pure, they're all fresh, just like your flowers that we've been doing. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I see Hugo doing. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier that when people go to the market, they like pick up flowers and, yeah. you know, they get to see if it's rotten. Uh, Yashoda and I always say that you know, people go and they pick up lace chips packets, whether it's from food hall or Zepto or their Kirana shop or wherever it is. If it's a lace packet, they'll pick it up and yeah. they eat it, knowing that it's going to be safe because it's that brand, right? Like yeah. some, if people can buy puja flowers and because it comes in a hugu packet, they don't even have to look twice. They know it's going to be completely fresh. Um, then I think we would have kept our promise of changing people's puja That's the, that's the most powerful and wonderful statement I've ever heard from any entrepreneur. And I can give it to you that, I mean, like that, that's what I say, right? Having that clarity, you know, breaking it down into such simple ways that anybody can understand. And I think that when you compare something to lace packet, which all of us have been knowing, you know, have, have been a user of it. And I think that is where I think who stands apart from, you know, any other brand and not just in the, uh, you know, the space you're working in, but in, in comparison to a lot of other brands that are out there. And I think that's one of the most 
most powerful and wonderful analogy I've ever heard. And I think I, I think I'm going to steal it at times whenever I need to draw comparisons. But I think that was one of the best examples I've ever heard so far. So, you know, Ria, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It was so insightful and more, you know, much more than spiteful. This was inspiring and also motivating in in fashion. That you know, it's uh, the way you said, "Ki you know, like you always have to run, no matter what the scenario is for your business. And even when you're doing good, you have to accumulate more wins, right?" And I think that that's been the best part of it. And as I said, like there, there is something, there are a lot of things that I'll take out from this interview. But the most important is that you know, breaking down problems into simpler forms, solving them individually, and then stitching them back together. So you know, thank you so much, Ria, for being a part of this. It was really an honor and a pla- uh, pleasure to have you with us. And thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. What an amazing conversation we have had with Ria, and it has been a pleasure to have hosted you on the show. We would really like to thank the entire team of Fubu Fresh for bringing in such an amazingly new concept, which not a lot of us have heard of in before. Uh, we would really like to thank you for giving us the time and agreeing to do this interview with us. It has been an absolute pleasure for us to have chance to host you with us. Also, do not forget to follow us on Instagram at anuragmanik7 and at nsquare podcast. We are coming up with much more episodes and much intriguing episodes. of us we also have a next episode with mr ashok mishra the writer of the book hinduism uh do tune into that episode that episode releases very very soon within the next week also if you like our work do share our episodes with others who might think can be you know benefited out of this episode of us and do follow us on instagram at m square podcast and on ragmanik7 keep sharing the love and as we always say until next time stay quirky stay different